from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. This is the New York City Cast with Will Hill, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome to the New York City Cast, presented by Bet River Sportsbook, a Friday show for you. Chris Farley, NFL handicapper, works for the Ozbreakers, finished in the top five in one of the prominent NFL handicapping contests last year. So he will join us. We'll talk some football, get his thoughts on the Jets, the Giants, some sleeper teams his process getting ready for the NFL season. So should be a lot of fun talking to Chris. But uh, we start here with baseball as both local teams are both in action, back in action uh, after the All-Star break. The Mets haven't played since Sunday. Uh, the Yankees, as we know, played yesterday. And we will get to that. Mets-Padres, Mets minus 180. Total is now 7 at Bet Rivers. Should be a good pitching matchup with Scherzer and Darvish. Uh, you can get the Padres plus one and a half minus a dollar forty. That would be the way I would play it. I think this is a three-two, four-three type of game. You could say, you know what, play the under, uh, and I guess you could go that way. But to me, getting the run and a half here is pretty valuable. So I do like the Padres plus one and a half, and we'll get to the Mets here in a minute. Give us some, give you some thoughts on what is a great NL East race. Degrom uh, with a rehab start last night, but the Yankees are the story here as they. Uh, lost twice to the Astros yesterday. They look to bounce back, and I think they will. Minus 155 here against the Orioles. Total is 9 as Tyone is going against Wells. I would think they would bounce back, and bounce back is what they need to do because, let's face it, they have been outclassed by the Astros in these seven games. They've lost 5 of 7 to the Astros. They haven't hit against Houston. They're batting 151 in the seven games against Houston. And even the two wins uh, were very... Not fortunate because, look, 
somebody wins, somebody loses. Um, but those were both just complete meltdowns by the Houston bullpen. And it's not that far from Houston being up 7-0 in the series. And, you know, if you thought this Yankee team, well, similar to 98, you know, with the record, 98 team had some bumps. This is not the 98 Yankees. This 90, this Yankee team, let's face it, they've been exposed here against the Astros. Now, it's still a really good team. They have the best record in baseball. Could they win a World Series? Sure, they could. It's not, you know, it, it's not the most popular thing to say today that they could still win a World Series. It doesn't feel that way. Um, but they could. But the bottom line is this team desperately needs to make a move, desperately needs renovations. We've been talking about it for weeks, months. The Gallo experiment, how he's still getting at bats, I have no idea. Absolutely no idea. He's unplayable. He strikes out every time. He never gets a hit. He never does anything. Plays a nice right field, but my goodness. It's long past the expiration date with the Gallo experiment. It makes no sense to run him out there every day. No sense whatsoever. Kind of Flaif has actually hit. He's gotten the bat on the ball, but again, you know, no homers, doesn't walk, you know, doesn't get doesn't have good on base, doesn't have any power, a little jittery at shortstop. Uh, they desperately need, and this is what's going to be the question here. You know, you're not going to get two things here. You're not going to get two major things. You're not going to get Castillo and a big-time left-handed bat. To me, that's the question here. Do you prefer to put all your chips in here and get Luis Castillo and go for the lights-out pitching as the pitching has certainly regressed here the last month or so uh, with Severino Hurt? Uh, Cortez and Tyone have come back to the pack. Montgomery's been good. You know, he's not spectacular, but he's certainly solid. Do you go and get the lights-out pitcher? Or do you go and get the big-time left-handed bat? I would still be interested in Ben Attendee. We can talk Soto. Look, if George was still alive and still running this Yankee team, Soto would be in right field. He, could, he never heard of Volpe and Peraza and prospects. He, he could care less. Those guys would be in Washington. Soto would be in right field. Uh, with Judge and with Stanton, that would be the outfield. And, and you can forget, hey, we'll let Judge walk and sign Soto. They'd have all of them. They'd have Soto, Judge, and Stanton. That's just how it was. It's not how it is anymore, so I don't even think Soto's realistic, as sad as that is to say. But they desperately need a left-handed bat. They desperately need to extend this lineup. It's just too short. It's just too short. They don't hit good pitching. They don't hit good right-handed pitching. And like I said, this Yankee team has been exposed these seven games or so against Houston. And in some ways, it's really the best thing for them because if they you know, beat Houston four out of seven or five out of seven, they'd be very... Uh, hesitant to make a move. They've gotten very conservative, not only spending at the deadline or spending at you know in, in the winter, but trading at the deadline. They hold on to these prospects. Um, you know, 2019, they didn't make a big-time move at the trade deadline. This past winter, they got nobody. Donaldson and Kiner Falefa, give me a break. I mean, look at it this way. Kiner Falefa, uh Corey Seager could be playing shortstop for this team. Left-handed bat, played great this year for the Rangers. He's hit seven homers in July, a big-time middle of the bat. Uh guy for the Yankees. He could be your shortstop right now. Then you'd have Peraza, Volpe. You could trade everything for whoever you want. Soto, Castillo. It'd give you so much more flexibility because you'd have more talent. It's a talent play. But they went the conservative route. You know, we'll wait for Volpe. We'll wait for Peraza. And now they're they're sort of paying for it where all their chips are only going to go towards one thing. You wouldn't think they're going to get Castillo and Benatendi. That's just not their way anymore. But uh, this team certainly needs to make an addition. They desperately need a left-handed bat. They need a left-handed bat for a while. I mean, back to you know a couple years ago when they bat in Brett Gardner third. It's look, it's the Yankees. It's Yankee Stadium. You're built for left-handed power, uh, and they just don't have a lot. Rizzo's a nice bat, not a prototypical power hitter. He's got a perfect Yankee Stadium swing, but other than that, I mean, it's all righties. It's Lemayhew. It's Torres. It's Judge Stanton, and you go down the line. Uh, 
And here's the thing with the Yankees. If you keep Judge and Stanton in the ballpark, it's just hard for them to score. It's a very pedestrian offense if you keep Judge and Stanton in the ballpark. It's just, it's not a great offense. Um, and they're hitting 230s. The team, look, they're hitting a million homers. But um, that this sort of strategy, their sort of MO, it works against the Rangers and the Tigers and the Guardians. This is how it's always been the last you know decade plus for the Yankees. Uh, even going back to really some of those early 2000 teams with Sheffield and Matsui, they always beat up on bad pitching. It, it's about being built to, not to be cliche, but to, to scratch out a run against good pitching, to put the bat on the ball, to be able to manufacture runs, to be able to, you know, not strike out a million times and, and just not be so susceptible to good pitching, especially good right-handed pitching, because look, as everyone knows, there's a lot of good right-handed pitchers. I mean, if you're going to be susceptible to one thing, it's one thing to be susceptible to a lefty. There's not that many dominant left-handed starters. You know, you can live with that. That's a weakness for a lot of teams, but when you're susceptible to really good right-handed pitching, that's an issue. And the Yankees uh, have certainly given you a reason for concern here and, and certainly need to add a bat. They have been completely exposed here by the Astros. Lose game one in a walk-off fashion yesterday. I know people complain about the shift. My issue with the shift, you had it set up. You had this guy set up to pull, uh, and, and then you know you throw a pitch away, the changeup away, and he slaps it away. That To me, that made no sense, uh, especially when you have a guy throwing 98 miles an hour. Just going with a fastball. I mean, you set it up where he can just slap that changeup the other way, and that's what he did, and nobody was in position to cover second base. Like he didn't really deserve to win the game anyway. And then the second game, Herman just got bombed out of the building. Haven't seen Herman in forever. I can't even think of the last time he pitched. It's been it's been a while. Uh, but boy, he got bombed. Got got two quick outs in the first inning. But before that, Alvarez homer, Bregman homer. Uh, then with two outs again in the second inning, Alvarez got him again. Alvarez is a hell of a player. What happened to Alvarez being hurt? I thought uh, all the stuff I was reading, Alvarez is going to be out a month, six weeks, tricky injury, Hammett bone. He missed like 10 days and he's back. So that was strange. Uh, and he is just a monster player. He's a legit candidate, candidate for the MVP. I mean, I've been saying it's a two-person race between Judge and Otani. That was assuming Alvarez is going to be out a month, six weeks, like everything I was reading. If Alvarez is in the mix, and he certainly is, uh, he can absolutely win the MVP as he is absolutely a viable candidate uh, to win that award. He is on par with Judge and Otani. Um, so, look, rough day for the Yankees. Rough day for the Yankees. We'll see how aggressive they are at the deadline. Um, look, Ben Attendee would help a lot of this. He's not going to help all of it. Uh, here's, here's the bottom line. You're paying the price for going dumpster diving last winter and getting the, not to pick on Kinder Flay, because again, he's hit the ball, put the bat on the ball. He's hit well over the last, you know, 10 games or so, but you're paying the price because he's not Corey Seager. And, you know, if you had, like I said, if you had Seager, it would just open up so much in terms of you can trade Volpe and not think twice about it. You can trade Peraza and think not think, think twice about it. And I know you're going to say age and cost control. This is the New York Yankees. Why? What are you worried about cost control for? Seriously. Sign Seager. Give him all the money. And this is a team that's worth $7 billion. Uh, they charge you an arm and a leg to, to park at the building. When you go to Yankee Stadium, they charge you a fortune to go there. It's time they reciprocate and put the money back in the team and just go all out to win. This has been 12 years since they've won a championship, 12 years since they went to a World Series. They've only won the division once since 2013. Now, that's going to change this year despite uh, the bad two games yesterday. They're not in any danger of losing the division. So uh, I wouldn't worry about it that from that perspective. But look, uh, I think the Yankees, they certainly don't do business the way they used to, and it's, it's really hurt them on the field, as you can see with – this past winter, last winter, getting Corey Kluber and nobody else. Uh, it's just that 
extra 10% of talent is not there. They used to go overboard. It would be overkill. They'd be they'd have a, a great team. Then they add a Raul Mondesi that they didn't need. They'd go out and add, you know, Clemens when they didn't need him. They would just add guys just to add guys. And it, it gave you depth. It gave you flexibility. And they don't have that talent level anymore. They've got the Judge and the Stanton. They've got the you know, Cole. They've got the frontline guys, but they don't have the depth like they used to. So it's an issue. Could they still win? Absolutely. They could still win. And they'll get somebody. They'll absolutely get a bat or a reliever or both. Uh, but again, like the da the David Peraltas of the world of the Arizona, that's not going to change your world here. You're going to need to get a big-time bat. Ben Attendee, I do everything to get Soto. I mean, look, it's not any secret that Soto uh, is a game changer, a life changer. He's so young. He's so good. I Don't don't tell me about prospects. I'll give up all my prospects to get Soto. I'm sure these other teams feel the same way, whether it's the Mets, you know, the Padres, the Dodgers. But if I'm the Yankees, I do everything I can to get Soto. So we'll see how that plays out. I mentioned Alvarez is a live candidate to win MVP. Plus 1,100 at Bet Rivers. That's a hell of a price because to me, it's a legit three-team race. I know I'm contradicting what I said the other day where it's just Judge versus Otani. That was under the assumption Alvarez is hurt. If Alvarez is healthy, he is certainly live uh, to win this award. So Alvarez plus 1,100 is certainly worth uh, a look there. If you had nothing invested, I, that's to me, that's by far the best value on the board is Alvarez plus 1,100 to win MVP. So that's the Yankees. They play the Orioles tonight. I think the Yankees win tonight. I think they bounce back. I think they are a good bet uh, to win tonight against Baltimore and... Look, we got they got Baltimore two uh figure two out of three there. Then they play the Mets, which is just gonna be awesome. Hopefully DeGrom will be back for one of those games. I'm not sure that they would throw DeGrom into the fire like that, but we'll see. Then they have the Royals, the Mariners, so Yankees, the schedule's not easy, but not impossible either. They'll get back on track. They'll be fine. It's just a matter of will they be fine in October? And uh, a lot of that depends on what they do here in the next couple weeks in terms of the trade deadline. Uh, so Yankees minus 157 is a play here. Total is nine. I do like the Yankees tonight. As for the Mets, I mentioned I like the Padres plus one and a half. Uh, look, we're, we're settling in here for what's going to be a great race, a fun race, back and forth, scoreboard watching. I don't think anybody's going to pull away. I don't think it's going to be a scenario last year where like, the Braves go by the Mets like they're standing still and end up winning the game, winning the division, you know, second, third week of September, and it's not even a race. And it was came down to Braves-Phillies. It wasn't even Braves-Mets for all the time the Mets spent in first place last year. That's not this year. That's not this kind of team. DeGrom is coming back. It seems like through 60 pitches last night, seems like all systems go. Maybe as one more rehab start, which is just I mean, ridiculous at this point, but you can live with one, one more rehab start. Maybe he doesn't have one more rehab start. Maybe his next start is... Uh, in a Mets uniform, which would be great to see, not just for base, not just for Mets fans, but for baseball. I mean, it's been a long time. He's so great. He's so fun to watch. Hopefully, he is back. And we settle in now for what should be a, just an absolutely fantastic pennant race. The Braves should mention their game minus 150 against the Angels. Great pitching matchup there too. Otani versus Morton. Total is seven. To me, that's an underplay. Otani's been dominant on the mound. So that should be a good game, a fun game. Morton gets a little breather. He hasn't pitched since the Wednesday before the All-Star break. Remember that day Bassett beat him uh, as the Mets won two out of three. So Morton's got a couple weeks off here to uh, or at least a you know a week and a half off here to recharge his batteries. So uh, I do like the Padres plus one and a half tonight. To me, it's a situation where it's just going to be scoreboard watching every day. Every game's important. Every pitch is important. Nothing like pennant race baseball. Uh, I still favor the Mets slightly. They get five games in City Field against Atlanta in August. They do have a three-game lead in the loss column. They do have DeGrom getting back. 
The Braves are outstanding. The Mets are outstanding. I just think the Mets are a little more, I don't know, resourceful. There's a little karma with the Mets that you like. And I do think the Mets win a very tight, very narrow NL East pennant race in one that's going to go down to the wire. So I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun this summer and into the fall. And boy, we're going to have some busy days in the fall here between the Yankees in the playoffs, the Mets in a pennant race, Giants and Jets starting. So there's going to be a lot to do. We'll have it all covered for you. But I am looking forward to that as, you know, I look at it this way with the World Series, with the just the baseball in general, the big picture. There's five teams clearly above the rest. You can talk to me about the Mariners and the Red Sox and the Cardinals and all these teams. To me, it's Yankees, Astros, in some order. No, no order in particular. Yankees, Astros, Dodgers, Mets, Braves. Those are the five best teams. Uh, it's a tough break for the Mets that two of the five best are, you know, are, are in the same division. That makes it tricky. Uh, if you're in the NL Central, if you're the Mets, you wouldn't have to worry about anything. If you're in the AL Central, you don't have to worry about anything. But being in, in the NL East with one of the other big five with the World Series champions makes it tricky. But to me, the World Series champion is going to come out of one of those five. I know it's October baseball. Anything can happen. But between Yankees, Astros, Dodgers, Mets, Braves, those are clearly the five best teams. I do think the World Series champion will come out of those five. And like I said, we have a couple months here where it's just going to be a great pennant race back and forth between the Mets and and the Braves. The Mets have held them off. Every time the Braves have punched, the Mets have counterpunched. I know they've cut it from 10.5. It's gotten down to what? I think 1.5 at one point. But the Mets, they have toughness. You know, they had that series against the Dodgers where they lost the first two and they were down that Saturday night in the third game. Came back and won. Came back and won game four to get the split. Uh, the Braves were closing in on them a couple weeks ago as the Mets went to Atlanta. Mets won with Scherzer, won two out of three with Bassett that Wednesday afternoon that we just mentioned against Morton. So Mets have some toughness here. Mets have some guts. It's not like past teams. There's a different feel for this Mets team. There's a different karma uh, for this Mets team. So should be a lot of fun. But when we come back, we'll do a little NFL. Chris Farley, NFL handicapper. We'll talk Jets, Giants, sleeper teams, awards, uh, and a lot more. That is next. This is the New York City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. All right, we are back. New York City cast, Bet River Sportsbook. Let's talk a little NFL. The season, uh, less than two weeks away. By the time you listen to this, the Hall of Fame game, just 13 days away. Someone I've wanted to have on for a while. He is the head of betting for the 33rd team. You catch his work with the odds breakers. Finished top five in the Circa Millions last year. It is the great Chris Farley. Chris, what's up, man? Thanks for coming on. What's going on, brother? All these famous names are right. I got Will Hill here, Chris Farley. You know, I work with Orion Reynolds. At the 33rd team, so it's kind of crazy all these names being bounced around. Uh, I was like, gonna I, say you know, we it just should. Doesn't uh, even sound right. <laughs> yeah, we should probably try to compare notes here and see who's heard more stupid jokes in their life, me or you, in terms of uh, jokes about their name. But uh, that's know. why I laid off, just because I hear so many of them. So especially now with the sports book, you people confusing me with the sports book. So yeah, uh, I get it twofold. Yeah, people are starting to forget about Chris Farley a little bit too, which is sad. The guy know. was a legend. Uh, but that's okay. You know, hopefully I'm holding his name sake okay at my end. I don't know if he was ever affiliated with sports betting, I will. I don't think he was. I don't think he was. I think that's why he had the van down by the river. Maybe he got too much into sports betting and it didn't go well for him. Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, put a little too much on one of those parlays. Uh, let's get right into it. Uh, we got some downtime here. MLB All-Star break this week. You know, we're couple weeks away from the NFL season you always hear people say you know what I'm, I'm getting ready for the NFL season I'm prepping uh just as someone who bets like you do and is good at it what does that entail when you talk about your prep for the upcoming season yeah I love that question because I think as you know 
this industry, I guess, a growing industry of, and, and now more and more individuals calling themselves pro sports cappers or pro sports bettors. Everybody probably has a, somewhat of a different approach, right? Um, but I, I, I'd like to think that mine is a, is maybe even a little more different than the different ones in the sense that I don't believe in overly preparing well. I mean, I, I, I do prepare. You have to prepare for the NFL season. You have to keep abreast of, you know, all the new players on these teams, who they've drafted, new coaches, obviously, right? I mean, you have to be aware of these things before the season. But uh, I started pretty simple. I start with my very high-level power ratings. I use six different factors for those power ratings. You know, a little bit of that is based off of last year, but some of that is based off the momentum, you know, some of the changes that might have occurred in the offseason. But uh, I use six factors for that, quarterback, coach, offense, defense, and then two intangibles on chemistry, leadership, and consistency and toughness. Uh, and I think, you know, each sport is different, but for the NFL, those are the six main things that I think carry a lot of weight. And like I said, I don't overreact on draft picks of any kind. Even a draft pick like Sauce Gardner, who I think is going to be a fantastic addition for the Jets, very pro-ready player. I'm not going to change the you know trajectory of what the New York Jets are going to do this year based off of one or two guys. Uh, I start comparing win totals, review those schedules, man. But one thing that I really try and do is not overanalyze or not get overconfident in my preseason takes. Because once that season starts... You know, from injuries to COVID to all the random things that happen, surprise teams, you really do kind of have to have an open mind when you enter the season. And, and I, I really believe, well, I don't know where you stand with this, but, so, you know, in this world of sports betting, so many savants, right, so many really sharp guys and girls, I think it's really easy to get really, you know, to fall in love with our research and our prep, but we don't know how much that's kind of taken us off base, maybe, or, you know, misleading us, right, from what we think. Uh, you know, a given team is going to actually be like in the season. So I'm just very cautious of that. I'm very cautious of my biases of any type. But I do do, you know, I do those high-level power ratings. Uh, do you get involved preseason at all? A little bit. You know, I kind of want to put a bet on that Hall of Fame game under. <laughs> Since uh, 2012, they've been averaging 29 points. It's at 33. They're trying to avoid injuries more than ever these days, right? So it's like... I can't see it going over, um, but yeah, I do a little betting on the preseason. I think there's a lot of, I actually think there can be a lot of value in the preseason if you get some good intel before a game, if you beat the Lions, um, but you know, most of my exposure is going to be in the regular season. Let's start uh, talking about these local teams before we just get to some general overviews. Jets and yeah. Giants, both kind of in the same boat. Both haven't really had a lot of success in you know a decade plus. Both have some hope here at least. With the draft classes, which, like you said, could be tricky, doesn't always lead to success right away if it leads to success at all. Uh, I guess we'll start with the Giants. You know, haven't won a playoff game in over a decade. Uh, a new regime here seems like they're on the right track. Not a terrible schedule. How do you look at this Giants team uh, coming into the season? Well, you know, by the time your listeners hear this, well, maybe Jimmy G will be on the Giants. I don't know. I'm not sure if I believe that, but there's, you know, there's a lot of whispers going around about that. I'll say this about the Giants, you know, and you see the Giants sign above me. I got my Giants cup out. Well, I'm getting pumped for the season. I'm a big fan, um, but I'm always so I'm always really hesitant to get too excited about the Giants. However, I do think that this is a year that we can at least expect some kind of improvement. You know, Coach Dayball, the regime that he's bringing over with Joe Shane. There's, I just feel like there's finally some adults in the room. You know, I mean, I, I thought that Joe Judge could be pretty good, too. 
thought that he had a you know good leadership and personality, I guess. But then you know then you're learning that he's making the coaches run sprints in practice and like what's going on here? You know, I mean we we have a guy in Brian Dayball that's a players coach. He's clearly really good at what he does. Great with quarterbacks. Great with offense. And you know, Will, uh, you know the Giants have been historically bad on offense for a pretty long time now. They've been averaging what 17, 18 points per game the past two seasons right there with the Jets. So it's been a sad story for these New York teams. But I do think that this is a year where, you know, they bring in Dayball. Uh, they got the guy who his his name is, uh, I forget his name, from uh, Kansas City offensive coordinator, right, a quarterback's coach. They brought him over for Kafka. the uh, – Yeah, 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 exactly. For the, uh, for the offense, that should open things up. They should open up some lanes for Saquon, which is what they really need. I like some of their additions on the offensive line, like uh, Joe Feliciano, I believe his name is. Uh, You know, all these names, I have to start to get them ingrained in my head as I get rid of the NBA names. You know, we're going on to a new season here, Chris. It's the NFL. Uh, But, yeah, so so in short, I'm not going to put any bets on their totals because I would never do that to myself (laughs) as a fan. But I do think that the Giants are going to improve this year. I think they're going to be a better ATS team. They have a young defense that's capable. They do have firepower on offense. No more excuses for Daniel Jones. We'll see what happens, man. But I do believe that there's going to be a slight improvement for the Giants at least this year and and improvement in the NFC East overall. Yeah, I think I'm generally with you because remember, everyone remembers them as a disaster last year and they were towards the end of the year. But with Jones, they were okay. They weren't good by any stretch, but they were four and six. They were, you know, sniffing around, you know, if we make a run, we can make the last wild card spot. Then Jones got hurt. And I guess this is probably the best thing you can say about Daniel Jones. When he went out, they couldn't get a first down. They couldn't get the ball past midfield. I mean, some of those totals uh, passing wise, I mean, they throw for 50, 60 yards in games where they were behind from the start and they're playing catch up and they're still throwing for 50, 60 yards. So um, they have a, a better backup quarterback situation with Taylor and the schedule's not terrible. I actually like them week one getting yeah. six and a half. I would like seven against Tennessee. Um, I, you know, I'm curious if you have any opinions on that. I think you're better off waiting and hope get for a seven if it goes down to six it's not a big deal but even in the first month you got the bears you got the panthers both of those uh, are at home you got the cowboys at home uh in other games you got the texans the jaguars the seahawks um you get washington twice philly's not unbeatable they beat philly last year to me uh, i like them game one i think the schedule is very favorable for the giants here i yeah no i totally agree and i think that's why there could be a little bit, of, a little spark of hope for the Giants this year. At least my hope, Will, is that they're competitive, right? There, I mean, there's just so many games last year, for example, where you could tell by the second half, maybe there's a lot of effort in the first half. Second half, the better team pulled away. I mean, I went to that Rams game at Giants Stadium last year. I was getting hyped up in the first quarter. Second quarter and beyond, the Rams just, you know, they just took them to the woodshed. And that's kind of been the Giants' story the past five years, really. I think it was Warren Sharp who put out, on uh, Twitter yesterday that the Giants are the only team in the NFL in the past five years who has never had a winning record. So it has wow. been quite uh, a pitiful ride for a New York Giants team who, what, just 10 years ago, they were in the Super Bowl. So, you know, um, quite a turnaround in this administration and franchise. I think a lot of that is Tom Coughlin leaving. Obviously, a lot of that is Eli Manning leaving, who we, we all, I think, miss him more than we thought we would, you know. Uh, but you know, they just they need a real quarterback. I think it's obvious that Daniel Jones was overdrafted, but I think he is capable and probably even more capable now at Dayball and some of the additions that they have around him. 
Yeah, it's always tricky with the quarterback when he's kind of in between. You know, if he's great, you keep him. If he stinks, you get rid of him. But, you know, you worry kind of if with Jones. If he plays pretty well, they go 8-9, and nine, flirt with a playoff spot, shows you some flashes, stays healthy, which has been a concern. Then what do you do? I think the, the worst-case uh, scenario for the Giants here, just in terms of a decision process, is if he plays pretty well, then what do you do? Right. <laughs> exactly. Is that, yeah, then you have a real conundrum, right? I mean, I, I almost want to see – well, I don't – I mean – I want DJ to do well, but I would be interested to see how Tyrod Taylor does in that offense too, because I do think with Saquon, some of the speed that we have now from uh, Kadarius Tony, you know that that could open up the offense a little bit too, because you know Tyrod can get around, he can scramble a little bit. Now, so can DJ, but as he's proven with a lot of the turnovers that he's had, I don't. He just his pocket awareness isn't isn't always that great. Uh, so again, hopefully that's something that he's really working on in the offseason with coaches who actually know what they're doing. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But I, I do think the biggest thing for the Giants, too, is opening up that run game for Saquon. Saquon is always trying to score a touchdown on every run. I respect that, but he has to turn into a running back that just sees the lanes and sees the openings. But to his credit, man, there hasn't been any openings in the past. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully there's just better scheming and better blocking this year. They, they do have better personnel. Yeah, you mentioned Jones being overdrafted. I think Barkley was probably overdrafted, too, to pick a running back yeah. second overall. Now, a lot of the quarterbacks around him busted, whether it's Mayfield, Darnold. But, man, picking a running back second overall, he was so promising his rookie year. Now with the injury, you wonder if he's got a second life in him. Uh, I know you could say, you know what, he didn't have blocking last year. But Booker, I think, outran him in, like, similar, you know, uh, yeah. usage rates. So it, it'll be interesting. I, I, I'm kind of with you here. Do, um, in terms of, you know what, there's reasons for optimism, probably a year away from being a year away. Do you have any plays for week one, six and a half against the Titans? I do like the six and a half. Uh, you know, six is a more common number these days because of the you know extra points and two-point conversion. So it's still a pretty good line. It is at Tennessee, I believe, though, right? It so is. That, that's a, you know, it's always a tough place to play. I feel like, uh, you know, the Titans just play over their heads when they're at home. You know, they have that grit. They obviously have Derrick Henry, who looks as good as ever. Uh, behind again an underrated offensive line. Um, I, I, I do like the Giants' defensive line more than most people, especially against the run. But you know, it remains to be seen. Uh, because, but if they could limit the Titans and stop that passing game, then the Giants have a real shot, I think, to straight up win that game. Uh, because I do think that the Titans are going to feel the loss big time of Brown being off their team now, going to the Eagles. That's a huge addition for Philly. Um, AJ Brown, in my opinion, is a top five wide receiver. In, in the NFL, always gets open when when he needs to get open, right? So I do think that Tennessee is going to suffer in that regard. Six and a half is definitely too many points, I think, especially in week one. But I would love a seven, Will. I'm with you there. Yeah, and he, he's hard to tackle too, Brown. I mean, he's, he catches everything and he's hard to tackle. And I agree, <laughs> Tannehill, if you take away Julio Jones and A.J. Brown, he's been very pedestrian. And Henry's starting to get up there in, in age and carries. He's had a lot of workload. So uh, I would agree. I'm kind of down on Tennessee. I like the six and a half in week one. Uh, the Jets, uh, boy, you know what? You could be optimistic about the draft class. You could say they're better. It would be hard to be worse. But I just look at the Jets here and say, you know what? They could be improved and still only win, I don't know, five or six games. The AFC is so good. What are your general thoughts here on the Jets coming into the season? Yeah, 100%. Uh, the AFC East is good, and it's getting better, and their schedule is pretty rough. Um, if I remember off the top of my head, I know they face teams like the, the Broncos, I believe, Um I think they get I mean, the AFC North the first four games, which is a weird That's quirk. Right. They might get the Browns without Watson. It seems like they would, but that's still none of those teams are a layup. 
Uh, you do get the break where maybe you're seeing Brissett here. Who knows? Maybe Jimmy G goes there. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a tough schedule. Exactly right. They open up all four games against the AFC North, start against the Ravens. Tough spot to, yeah. to, against the Baltimore Ravens team who's, you know, they think that they're going to be a championship contender right from the jump, right? And Lamar Jackson has a lot of vengeance to take on the NFL this year. The thing about the Jets is, um, you know, after doing my power ratings, you know, again, I don't take them too seriously at this point. Anything can happen in the NFL season. But at the end of the day, the quarterback is still the most important player on a team. And Zach Wilson, uh, his decision-making just really needs to improve. And until I see that that's happening game to game, right? I mean, really, his only exceptional game last year was against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's a really good team to have a great game against. Uh, but every other game was pretty clumsy, had turnovers and really, really bad situations in spots where the Jets could have taken advantage and maybe scored some points. And Robert Sala, you know, just nothing. I thought he was going to be a really good coach, maybe the kind of coach who can transform this team. Maybe he still is. You know, he's not. He's, he doesn't have the best group in front of him. But so far, I don't think, see anything that transformative about what Sala is doing for this team. So until I see more... You know things from the two most important, uh, you know, positions really on a team that's quarterback and coach. Uh, I, I just can't believe in the Jets. They they have some exciting guys. Sauce Gardner, I think, is a pro. He's ready to play. Brees Hall has some speed. The running back they picked up in the draft. So I, you know, I think they could be exciting. But I six. I think it's at what still like six and a half. I I, I have to like the under on the Jets, man. Yeah. Yeah, I think people bet over five and a half thinking, you know what, there's optimism about the draft. It's going to go to six, so I can bet over five and a half. Then when it's, once it gets to six, I can bet under six and just have a free roll. I think that was some of the thinking. Uh, to yeah. me, it's, it's, it's under or pass. I'm totally with you. Um, any teams you think are either undervalued or overvalued coming into the season? I know the Lions have been one that's been getting buzzed. You always worry about the team that's too hyped, that everyone's on, everyone's sleepers, usually doesn't work out. Is there anyone either underrated or overrated coming into the season? Yeah, I'll go uh, you know rapid fire with this because I can get on tangents about the NFL. Lord knows, but um, I think the I think the Dolphins are going to be overrated to start the season. You know, they're uh, a two point favorites at home, right? And I understand they always play the Patriots really hard at home, but that's usually at the end of the year. You know, Bill Bill Belichick going against a Tua who's trying to prove himself. You know, what a third year quarterback now. Uh, I mean, I'm probably going to look to take the Patriots in that game all day. And I just think that you know some of the uh, public perception on the Dolphins is going to push their lines a little beyond where they should be in those first few weeks. Then I think maybe they settle in and they're better, but I think they're entering the season overrated anyway. Um, I think the Packers are a little overrated this year. I, I mean, their win total is what, like 11, 11 and a half, 10 and a half? Yeah, yeah, 11. Um, you know, they keep on moving, so I, I, don't, I don't know these off the top of my head, but uh, you know, Packers, here's the thing. Without Devontae Adams, look, I know they have Aaron Rodgers, but that connection, the chemistry between Rodgers and Adams was special. You know, it was, he was just in the spot. Uh, the, it, it, and and the, it saved them on so many drives, man. So, you know, I just – I think the Green Bay franchise, too, ha, don't they have to start to get sick of this narrative where every regular season they dominate and they look like one of the best teams in the NFL and then they just flounder right they just don't go anywhere in the playoffs um so I don't know I just I feel like there's a change coming in the AFC North part of that is because I really like the Vikings this year I like that they got a change in Kevin O'Connell and I think they're going to be much more of a they're going to be a more challenging team and I think that the Lions are going to be a really good ATS team this year I don't know so much about the Bears um but then a few teams that I think are underrated 
are the Raiders, Jags, and Steelers, man. I think, you know, Raiders on paper, you can make an argument that they have one of the best offenses in the NFL. Uh, the Jaguars, too, finally have an adult in the room. They have a lot of additions that, you know, they aren't necessarily star players, but they're better than what they had last year. So I expect some, you know, easy improvement from the Jags. We're just going to be a more formidable team this year. And people cannot sleep on the Pittsburgh Steelers, who all they do is win, man. And that win total has them under a winning season. Mike Tomlin has not not had a winning season his whole career with the Steelers. And I think that they can turn some of these quarterbacks who, you know, everybody, you know, Kenny Pickett uh, and, uh, you know, what's his name? Here we go with the names again. But, um, <laughs> uh, oh, Trubisky. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Trubisky, I mean, he could be a good fit for that team. He's got a big arm. You know, he can go on the run. He's a tough guy. So I know I gave you a lot of information there, Will, just trying to get through it. But I think the Raiders, Jags, and Steelers could be better than people think. It could be feistier than people think. And I think the Dolphins and the Packers are, are coming into the season, at least, with a little, you know, giving a little too much uh, credit. When you see a team you like, because you hit on a couple of them I totally agree with. When you see a team you like, how do you, how do you attack it? Do you bet them, you know, futures market? Do you bet them... Uh, you know, over over under wins, yes to make the playoffs, yes to win the division. Because I've seen Jaguars plus four fifty to make the playoffs. I think it was plus six fifty to win the division. You could just take them over six and a half wins. Do you take one bet and sort of sprinkle it? What's sort of your approach here when you like a team more than say the market does? Yeah, well, it's, you know, it's part it's part part of football approach, right? And uh, the part of line approach, right? So uh, I just can't get it in me to bet on the Jags to win their division. Um, I think it's plausible. You know, I really do. But even though you're going to get better money at that, I would rather take over six for the Jags. It's actually one of my favorite future bets on the um, in the you know, preseason now. Um, just because the Jags, like I said, man, Travis Etienne coming back, they have some better talent at the wide receiver and tight end position. And, again, they have an adult in the room. And Trevor Lawrence, according to anybody who knows football, was one of the best prospects ever to come out of the NFL draft. And so you're telling me that he's not going to at least improve somewhat this year on the Jags team, has a young, hungry defense as well. So I like going with their over six. But I'll, I'll say this about futures in general. I don't know if it's a very popular opinion, but I don't like to play futures in general because, you know, uh, inherently by nature, because it's a future, right? There are just so many things that can go wrong throughout the season to completely throw, throw off your bet. And a lot of times people are, are you know, placing the same amount of units, right, the same cash towards those future bets, and you have to wait all year. I can get a bet on a single week, you know, week one, week two, that I like just as much as any future, and all that has to happen is one thing. That team has to cover that game. So there's just, you know, there's so much variance already in the NFL, and then, you know, to last an entire season, if I have a win total down, it's going to be a, a large amount of money because I really, really like it, and it's worth the wait. Uh, you know, otherwise, I'm just going to stick to my single ATS place. Yeah, I agree with uh, pretty much everything you said there. And I think, look, I wasn't huge on Lawrence coming in, but I have the same thinking, and it's why I like the Jags too. If he's 75 80% as good as people make him out to be, this is the year. Urban Meyer's out of there. We know it was a disaster. Uh, they, Like you said, they have an adult in the room. They have a coach, they, that, you know, in Peterson that's won. He's made the playoffs. I thought he kind of got a raw deal in Philly. Uh, and like you said, that's a, that's a doable division. You get two games against the Texans. You know, it's. Uh, I think the Jaguars are a team that uh, that could surprise. Here's the thing about the NFL: there's always one or two that 
sneak up and win the division out of nowhere, where it's the Bengals last year. If you just go it year by year and you study the odds, there's always a couple teams that come out of nowhere and you say, wow, I can't believe they won the division. Yeah, absolutely. And it's going to be the New York Giants. No, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not going to bet on that this year. But yeah, I, I mean, I would not be surprised, to be honest with you. I think the Titans are going to take a step down. You know, Colts have a lot of great players, but I don't know about Matt Ryan, man. And I don't know about their, um, you know, uh, passing talent outside of Matt Ryan. I mean, they don't have a ton of guys to throw to, and you need to have that in the NFL. And then the Texans are the Texans. So, I mean, the Jags have a door more more open than usual this season. Yeah, you bring up the Colts, and it, it reminded me of something. Here's a stat I was looking at the other day, and it's, I think it's a good one to study. The Colts forced 33 turnovers last year. They had 33 takeaways. That was second in league. Dallas had 34. That's the, That was the most. Jacksonville only had nine. So if you figure turnovers, there's some randomness to it. Usually it, it sort of evens it out and goes towards the middle. Uh, the Colts will take a step back. The Jags will take a step forward. Uh, is the turnover category, is that something you look at as being completely, not totally random, but is that something where you say, you know what, there's some regression or progression coming based on these stats? Oh, yeah, 100%. The Kansas City defense is a great example of that, too. Very, very, I mean, by all the data points, very bad defense last year. Really, really a bottom sixth, uh, you know, you know, a 20, ranked a 25th and up um, on defense in so many categories last year. But they had a ton of takeaways, right? So they, they, they had turnovers. They uh, took away the ball at the right moments, you know. And look, they have some veterans on that team, right? But now, but now Honey Badger's off that team. Uh, they're going to rely on some new draft talent, you know, to keep up the uh, defensive line around Chris Jones. Absolutely, man. I mean, turnovers, you you have to look at turnovers heading into the season because a lot of times, you know, you start to question, how did this team even stay in these games? Well, they had some not always fortunate, you know, they're good plays, but turnovers make all the difference. The Jaguars, only nine turnovers last year. That's a good find, Will, because that, that is bound to increase. I mean, there's almost no doubt about it that they're going to do better this year. That's one where you look at it and you have to do a double take and say, well, how is that possible? You play 17 games, you only had nine takeaways. You figure the ball falls in your lap seven or eight times right off the bat. Nine takeaways, that's a stunning stat. Stunning, yeah. What uh, Before we get you out of here, what are some stats you look at when you mention, hey, you know, based on their metrics? Are you an EPA guy, yards per play? What are some people maybe that are not as familiar with betting or the, you know, or just recreational where, hey, I can look at this stat. I'm not looking at yards per game necessarily, but some of the advanced stats where it's kind of a, a cheat sheet to you know, help you win your bets. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, there's so much data out there, right? So we kind of have to mine the data and find the uh, data points that we use the most. Uh, I, I got to say, I look at pace as much as I can, too. And sometimes that's, you know, that's just a matter of um, watching film and kind of picking up on where the team increases or decreases their pace. I think that can be really important in some of these games, right? You got a team like Dallas who's probably going to want to come out hot against the Buccaneers in week one. That's what they did last year at the start of the year. And they had a very prolific offense to start the season. You know, then they fizzled out as usual. Uh, but, you know, yards per play, you know, that's up there. Uh, time of possession is up there, right? Because I know this is a passing league. You know, I know the you know NFL wants it to be more and more offense. But if you can control the time of time of possession, if you have a run game, it doesn't even matter. You know, if you're getting over 125 rush yards per game, if you can control the time of possession, just milk that clock. That's a huge advantage. You know, a team like the Patriots does that really well. You'll, I mean, always see them feeding the rock a little bit, right, to uh, kind of keep the ball out of the other team's hands. Um, turnovers is a big one too, man. Uh, you know, these teams either survive, they stay afloat, 
depend on turnovers or they're really good defenses who didn't get a lot of turnovers last year, right? Or maybe they haven't gotten a lot yet this year as these teams start playing. Uh, so that's something to look at. I mean, there's just so many data points. I love a lot of different sites for this. Um, but, you know, in in general, don't my, – my whole thing is I don't like to be overwhelmed by one single data point, right? So if you see, you know, I'm never going to place a bet on a game because – you know, Jonathan Taylor has an advantage on the right side of the line and like, you know, he can get in there. You know, betting, betting is very macro, you know, so you have to take into uh, uh, perspective, the, you know, the whole team pitcher, the coaching, the quarterback, everything that goes into it, you know, situationally too. So, you know, not to, you know, I know, I know the analytics is the hot thing, you know, the data is the hot thing. I'm not trying to be like an old, you know, a traditional geezer over here, but I just don't like to overly rely on those things, right? I take it instincts all into matter, account. Instincts matter, right? Inst your instincts for the game. We watch these games. We have instincts. Instincts still part of it, right? Absolutely. It's still part of it. Watching the tape, seeing how these teams react, right? Seeing how the teams, you know, gel, like how um, uh, symbiotic these uh, relationships are on the field. It, things like that, man. I mean, there's, there's just a lot of intangibles that go into football, right? In the Little Giants, I think it was Howie Long or someone like that said – Football's 60% uh, uh, mental, you know, like 50% uh, physical, something like that. I mean, I just always get that quote wrong. But the point is, it's more mental than it is physical. And there are just some coaches, some quarterbacks, some teams who have it figured out, right? Teams like the Steelers, teams like the Patriots, teams like the Rams. Uh, so at the end of the day, you know, you look at a team like the Denver Broncos who should exponentially improve on offense because of Russell Wilson alone, right? But there's still some there's still some kinks in the armor there for the Denver Broncos because they haven't been a winning team in a little while, you know. So uh, you know all these things just have to. For me, I like to confront it from a very macro perspective so that I have a better, you know, holistic view of what's about to happen. Chris, this was a lot of fun, man. Thanks for doing this. Uh, let everyone know where they can find your work. Absolutely, man. At Farley Bats all over social media. Check out the 33rd team. The uh, website on the 33rd team. And that's just the3013.com is about to go live on August 1st. Going to be awesome stuff there, uh, incredible insider content. And I'm still a runner at the Ozbreakers, too. I'll be on the BetUS NBA show for the NBA season. Looking forward to that, but much, much more looking forward to the NFL, man. I can't wait. It's around the corner. It'll be here before we know it. Chris, we'll do this again uh, down the road here. Appreciate you coming on. All right, buddy. Thanks so much. All right, thank you guys for listening. Thank you to Chris Farley. Enjoyed that, getting fired up, talking football, just thinking about football less than two weeks away. So uh, thank you guys for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, download, subscribe. It really helps the show out, so we would appreciate it. Enjoy your weekend. Be back Monday. This is the New York City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Bet River Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, BetRivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com today to sign up. Must be 21 or older, available in New York only. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY.